Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Again, I want to thank each of you for listening to the show and making this the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. I want to thank our sponsors for the second hour of today's show. Uh, they are American Manganese, Barkerville Gold Mines, Crocodile Gold Corp., Entropia Corporation, Go West, Limited, Smash Minerals, and Trevally Mining Corporation. Well, I'm really pleased to have with me Jim Lyles. Uh, he is a commodity trader who I think is one of the sharpest technical analysts out there uh, in the commodity markets these days. Jim is a veteran commodity broker and trader and a graduate at the University of Montana. He has spent the last 30 years in the investment business with six years' experience in stock brokerage. Presently, he manages commodity portfolios, works with investors to trade individual accounts, and writes a monthly newsletter, Visible Trends. Jim is the author of Commodity Inflation, The Next Great Wealth Building Opportunity. His most recent book is entitled The Wealth Preservation Handbook, The DNA for Commodity Inflation, in which Jim provides a comprehensive look into time-tested strategies for preserving and growing your wealth in today's highly competitive financial environment. Welcome, Jim, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, thank you, Jay. I really enjoyed uh, listening to your speech at the Wealth Protection Conference in Tempe, Arizona, a few weeks back. Uh, and I'd like to mention to uh, our listeners, before we go any further, uh, that there is a number people can call to order this, um, to order these uh, CDs that uh, have your speech. Uh, Richard Mayberry, we've had a host of other, Ian McAvity, Arch Crawford, uh, Roger Wiegand was there, Sinclair No, myself, yours truly. Uh, a lot of very, inf- I think, very valuable information is available. And I have a number here It's uh, people can call. Uh, there is a $129 charge for this. It's 800-494-4149. That's 800-494-4149 uh, to listen to Jim's uh, views and those of the other people I just mentioned. Well, Jim, uh, there are several things that I know that really hit me at the conference in your speech, and one that, I, that really has been very important to me, uh, and that was the dollar. Looking at the dollar, now I was listening to your talk all the way through, and I'm saying, yes, I pretty much agree with Jim Lyles, his views, his, his concerns about this huge amount of indebtedness, this deflationary potential for commodities and for uh, prices in general. And then you noted that uh, a key, sort of like the, land, the, the line in the sand for the dollar index was uh, 71.38, I believe. And you were concerned, or none of you were concerned, but you felt that if the dollar... Uh, index were to fall below that level and stick there, that we would be on to a switch into something really nasty in the way of hyperinflation. Did I have you right in that? Did did I understand you? You're correct in that, Jay. And uh, and the thing is that I was speaking to an audience that were pretty much hard money people, and and they're all, you know, hooraying and, and and hoping that the dollar would just continue to collapse. But I stood up there and told them, I said, folks, you're not going to like it if that happens. It isn't Mm -hmm. going to be pretty. No. 
No, I, I think that's that's correct. I mean, it, uh, it's it's very foolish, and I guess a lot of times gold bugs get sort of the label of being doom and gloomers, and they can't wait, and they're and they're, and they're sort of sometimes not liked very much because it looks as though they're cheering for bad times. I don't think anything could be further from the truth. We would like to see good times last. The reason some of us are orientated towards gold and silver and other things is that we understand that the currency that we have is being debased and is becoming worth less all the time. But that said, Jim, you believe, though, if I understand you correctly, that we could be in for a period of time when the dollar is surprisingly strong? Yeah. You know, it's like I said at the conference, the... The short side of the dollar was getting rather crowded. Everybody was hanging over the side of the same side of the boat. And you know what happens to a boat when, when too many people get on one side and hang over. Uh, it tips over. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I said, there's just too many shorts in this marketplace, uh, uh, you know, betting that the dollar is going to go down. Uh, I said, the market's terribly oversold and that I could see that we could see uh, a reversal in that trend uh, for a period of time. And I said for the next two months, uh, while we wait and see whether Bernanke's going to do anything about uh, adding to the QEs uh, once this QE2 ends in, at the end of June, that we could probably see the dollar strengthen. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, he's come out and uh, he's made an announcement that he's not going to, there's not going to be any more QEs, so it sounds like the Fed's going to be less generous. And if that's the case, then we're going to see the dollar strengthen uh, amongst all the, you know, the other currencies in the world. Mm-hmm. Do you think it will strengthen against uh, the ultimate money, gold? No, gold is, it was like I was telling you earlier, gold surpassed the euro. You know, it was fighting as for a position to be the second uh, world's reserve currency. Uh, and it surpassed it last week. It finally broke through, and gold is now the world's second reserve currency hmm. and, and behind the dollar. So you base that on the fact that gold has now risen against the euro and the dollar. Right. You know, uh, I, use, I just look at charts, and I, I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a technician. I look at charts, and, and, and for the last two years, the, dollar, uh, the gold has been rallying up against the euro at a certain point and then falling back and go, fall, going up against it and falling back. Well, finally, when you know Trichet came out last week and said that uh, the European Community was going to bail out um, uh, Greece, yeah, uh, the, the euro just started to tumble. Well, then mm-hmm. gold surpassed the euro at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course, you know, all of, for the last year, a little over a year, the euro has been rallying quite strongly against the dollar, and uh, it was getting up there pretty pricey at high level. And, of course, uh, you know, when a currency gets too strong, it hurts their exports. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they really would like, you know, the Europeans would like to see the, their currency come down in value against the dollar. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, was, it was all, you know, it was, it was favorable. Mm-hmm. But what happens once their currency tips over, the Europeans jump in and start buying gold mm-hmm. to, protect their, to protect their wealth, just like you and I bought gold back in 2001 and 2 when we wanted we saw this coming and we wanted to protect our wealth we took some of our wealth and put it into gold mm-hmm. yeah there's no doubt about it and the and the problems in Europe are not going away anytime soon the the pigs uh, certainly are are out there yet they're not uh, they've not been they've not been put back in their pen so you got um, you know Portugal uh, is is a problem obviously Ireland 
uh, Greece and, and maybe Spain down the road. So do you see this as something that's likely to continue to put pressure on the euro? Well, sure. You know, Portugal, said they came out and said, if you're going to bail out Greece uh, and, and let them re, redo their, their debt indebtedness, we want ours redone, too. Sure. So sure. everybody's going to, you know, all those pig nations are going to jump on the bandwagon and say, all right, how about us, too? Yeah. All right. So, so that'll, that's... Weaken the, that'll continue to weaken the euro. Uh, you know, short term, the euro probably bottomed here today and may bounce back up. But if it bounces back up, it, it's a sell, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said at the Wealth Conference, what would I do with $100,000? I'd buy gold and sell the euro. I'd buy gold and sell the British pound. I'd buy gold and sell uh, the Japanese yen. And mm-hmm. I'd buy gold and sell the dollar. Mm-hmm. Tell our listeners how how you would buy gold. How do you buy gold? Do you buy the physicals? Do you buy? I, I how do buy, you buy physical it? gold. I, I mean, I've yeah. got my store, my store of gold that I bought uh-huh. physically, and um, and then you know when silver got up there, when that's ratio, you know, I bought several bags of silver back when silver was, you know, I could buy junk silver for ten dollars or ten thousand dollars a bag. Mm-hmm. I bought it for the sole purpose that I could see that silver gold ratio would eventually come back to thirty-two to one. Mm-hmm. Well, when it got to 32 to 1, the end of April, I sold my silver and bought gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you were you were definitely right uh, on silver, and I think your timing was perfect, uh, pretty much perfect, because when we were out in Arizona uh, at Tempe, I think, silver was just a nudge under $50 an ounce at that time. Yeah. <laughs> in and, fact, when I spoke on Friday, that, you know, on Good Friday, the evening of Good Friday, on Thursday, you know, the markets weren't open on Friday. On Thursday, gold or silver hit the highest price it's ever been since back in 1980. Mm-hmm. And I stood up there and said, folks, this is not the time to buy silver. This is yeah. the time to stand back and let it fall. Yep. Well, you were absolutely right about that. You talk, uh, in, in your talk, you also mentioned uh, cycles. And I think you maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you also are probably a follower of W.D. Gann and his work. Right. I, you know, that's how I, the first time I spoke at that conference in 2002, I told folks, I said, we have started. It began in October of 2001. And I said, we started the inflationary cycle, GAN's inflationary cycle, exactly 30 years from when it began in 1971. I said, this is it. We start now and we'll go up for the next nine to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we are now at the 30 year cycle peak in commodities. Mm-hmm. And the 60-year. In fact, uh, on May 12th of 1951 was the top of the commodity market 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's, we're right there. That's that's very interesting. A 60-year cycle and a 30-year cycle, and I think it sort of runs in 10-year cycles, no? Well, what it does is commodities go up for 10 years, and then they go down, and and they go from... They go into what I call uh, just bouncing around between wholesale and retail for the next 20 years mm-hmm. until we go to the next inflationary cycle. Mm-hmm. And that's so, where we're at. I mean, we're, we're just at the top of this commodity cycle, and we're ready to roll over and decline, and we'll decline pretty sharply. But I'm, I'm not quite convinced that there might not be one more run-up in this commodity market into year-end and mm-hmm. then peak. Uh-huh. After we, you know, we're going to stay dull. The market right now, you've got all the traders uh, exiting the commodity market. I mean, everybody is let me out, let me out, let me out. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and uh, because the market is, you know, has been quite long. And we've lost, especially in the, in the grain trade, where there's still a lot of concerns going on in the grain trade. And since the the index, the continuous commodity index, which uh, which is what I base my opinion on, uh, is heavily weighted in grains. Mm-hmm. And because of the problems that exist in the fundamental side of this grain issue, as to whether we'll get this crop planted and as as to whether it will yield anything, and going into the year we needed a bumper crop, we needed a bend buster to uh, to just get us back to normal norm in our stocks. Uh, if we have problems this summer, we could see one more leg up in that grain market this summer, but it will drag the rest of the commodities up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the the old saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. If mm-hmm. you take the grain market back up, you're going to drag the rest of the commodity market. All right. Do you think with well, or without well, a... With, so, Jim, with or without a QE3? With or without a QE3. It, if we have... You know, a, if something serious happens to this grain grain crop that we have planted, we're mm-hmm. still, you know, we, you still have not broken any major trends in anything to say that it's tipped over. All I'm saying is, it's time to be looking for a top based on the 30 and 60 year cycles. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, so. The 60 year would be an even bigger event than the 30-year, obviously. So we're we're talking about a major, major sort of history, historic decline. Yeah, history repeats. I mean, I don't care what anybody says about cycles. I've used cycles my entire career, and I've used short-term cycles, long-term cycles, and they work. Mm -hmm. They tell me that what market, you know, uh, you know, the, it's, it, we live in a, in, a, in a world where we do everything cyclically. I mean, we get up in the morning at the same time. Mm-hmm. We drive to work the same way. We have, we have full moons every, uh, every 28 days. I mean, there's cycles in nature. There's cycles all over us. Indeed. Um, so we're looking at the possibility then, I, I take it that you believe we could be looking at the possibility of a very major uh, deflationary event in the not too distant future. Right. If Bernanke doesn't come with this, with with, uh, with <clears throat> more stimulus programs, mm-hmm. but I can't I can't foresee how he will not come with a stimulus program, because wh- what's the alternative? Yeah. I mean, you think of it. What's the alternative if we start defaulting on debt in this country? Uh, the other side, another argument, though, Jim, is that um, I like to make this argument, and I want to hear what you have to say about it. That that fiat money, which is you know money that's made legal, I mean, forced on us, really, essentially, not market-driven money, but money that is money because it's said it is by the by the people with the guns and the government. Uh, that in fact. Um, it, debt is the raw material from which money is manufactured, and in fact, uh, if you look at the growth of debt, it is growing exponentially against income, which is growing at best, if it's growing at all. And I think you could make the case that income is actually shrinking in America if you really use the real honest inflation numbers, then uh, allowing for inflation, probably the real GDP is negative even still, I believe. But uh, but but the point is that debt is growing almost exponentially. It's growing straight up, and income is growing in a linear fashion, if at all. So the more you try to stimulate, in a sense, the more debt you're creating. Isn't that so? Oh, yeah. 
they're just they're just creating more and more debt. What are we going to do when when we run into the debt ceiling in August? Mm-hmm. Are we going to raise the debt ceiling? Sure, they will. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, uh, but then ultimately, and here's where the difference comes down on the those uh, most gold bugs tend to be inflationist. I would still say probably eighty percent of them. Uh, we have a lot of deflationists on this show. We've had Robert Prechter, Ian Gordon, uh, Miss Shedlack, uh, a host of people that have argued the deflation side of it, and uh, that the more you print, the more deflation you're pumping into the system because you're having debt, and debt is growing more rapidly than than income. Then I would say, you know, and Congressman Paul refutes that on the show, saying that the government can. Uh, or the central bank can channel money into the masses if they want to, and when they want to, they will. You know, just write checks out to everybody. Uh, so, but but so far, what I'm seeing is that the big guys are getting bailed out. You know, the bankers are walking off with their fat bonuses. The, the investment banks and those guys are getting bailed out. And the average people, as uh, Howard Davidowitz has said on this show, 80% of Americans are having seeing their living standards shrink and 20% are doing as well or better. So how, how does this end eventually? Do you think do you think this pathological economy is going to be uh that's going to come back into equilibrium through some hyperinflationary fires or will we see an a deflationary depression all out of the 1930s or something like that? I think how it will end is there's probably a 60 60% chance we'll go back on a gold standard. Mhm. And when we go back on a gold standard, uh, then everything will have a revalue. There, there will be a total uh, recalculation of money and wealth. And of course, you know, the rich people won't be affected. It'll be the poor people that'll be affected. Mm-hmm. The poor and the middle class. Mm-hmm. But the problem that we have, the way I see it in this country, is we have far too many people living off of the government than we do working. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, you take, in 1960, the, uh, there were two government, uh, there were two manufacturing jobs for every government job. Today, there are two government jobs for every manufacturing job. Mm-hmm. So how, how are we going to handle all of those, that huge built-up indebtedness this country's got, to retire all of these government employees. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I. That's a question I. I can't answer that. Yeah. How that's going to be solved. Yeah. Well, it's 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 hard to say. I, I think uh, you know I didn't used to think that we had a chance of going back under gold standard, but the more I look at it, the more I realize uh, I think that is going. That is a very very good chance it will happen again of some sort of a gold standard, some sort of a gold backed currency, and if. And not, however, before the system breaks down. So my the question in my mind always is: Do we see do we see a deflationary implosion? Uh, and that makes a big difference in how we invest our money. Or do we see a, a hyperinflationary route? For example, as I said in the introduction of today's show, we're in a deflationary environment. That's a good environment for gold mining companies because the cost usually goes down more than the. Uh, you know that that your uh, gold goes down less, or at least your margins go up uh, in the gold mining activities. That's historically uh, proven to be the case, at least for the senior currencies. Uh, well, I, th- I think gold is still going to maintain 
it's is going to continue to go up no matter what happens, whether we go into a deflationary environment, which is very likely to happen, that we'll see all, you know, I mean, like I said at the Wealth Conference, I'm bearish crude oil. I said that that was a top in crude oil when I stood there and spoke at that conference. Mm-hmm. And it was the top the day before. And I said, it's going down, and I based it on the 30-year inflationary cycle. And, uh, it, I mean, I picked the top when I stood in at this conference in, in 2008. And in, uh, in March of 2008, I said the crude oil was trading at $100 a barrel. I said crude will go to 151 by the 1st of August. Well, I missed it. It went to 151.28, and it happened on the 19th of July. <laughs> and, and it went down from there. And I said, I, and I based that prediction on what happened in, in, 2000, in 1978, 30 mm-hmm. years prior. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm cycle. telling you, this is the top of the crude oil. Mm-hmm. And a year from now, we'll have $50, $40 a barrel crude. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very interesting. So let's just go over the list of sort of main categories and how you would be investing right now. Gold, it's a buy. I just right? continue to own gold and, and buy, buy. If we have a good seasonal dip this summer into the 1st of July, into when, whatever they do in QE2, just buy, buy that weakness because by the end of the year we will make new highs. Silver, I'm not as bullish. Silver has has shown its true colors this last two weeks and, and, and showed that it's still a commodity. That's a very good comment, I think, uh, because silver definitely has a monetary component. It is money. The silver bugs will argue that it's just as much money, if not more so, than gold. But when you see the sort of uh, deflationary uh, move in the markets, it clearly gold outperforms silver, as it did after Lehman Brothers, by the way, immediately afterwards. You know, and, and I believe that that spread will go right back out to 62 to 1. But, Jim, you know, you mentioned that you think that gold will continue to rise in, a, uh, in an inflationary environment, and I agree with that. Or deflationary, yes. because, uh, because uh, gold uh, is a currency now. Uh, okay. And the, it's going it's gonna, it's gonna to go, you know, where the, where the, you know it's going to go to the, it, like you normally say that money goes to the strongest currency, Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, money flows well, to the countries with the strongest currencies. Mm-hmm. This year we've seen Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and those, those old British Commonwealth countries, their currencies have been the strongest currencies over the last year. Mm-hmm. So the money has been flowing to, the, to that currency. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, if you keep gold strong and it continues to go up, and then, whoops, we're, already, we're on a gold standard. Think of it. The United States has nearly 340 million ounces of gold. We have the largest amount of gold in the world. If you figure out at $5,000 an ounce times times that many ounces, how many trillion dollars do you have? Yeah, it's uh, it's a big number. Yes. Now uh, think think of that. If they just say we're fixing gold at 5,000 bucks an ounce, how what do you think that would do to the American dollar? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question, and they, of course there are people that wonder if we actually do have the gold. I don't know. That's a good question. All, um, I, can do, all I can base it on is, is the, numbers that, the, the numbers that I see that several different people put out is the amount of gold that the, the, uh, that the United States maintains. Yeah. 
it's it's an interesting question. I I would uh, I think we're going to go to a commercial break. I'd like you to come back uh, with us, Jim, uh, for a few minutes. I, I I wonder on the gold though. The issue again in my mind as a person who's focused on gold mining stocks is whether or not in a hyperinflationary environment, gold continues to rise. Um, faster than other things than the cost of getting it out of the ground. Gold go parabolic. Yeah, it, you know, gold could go parabolic. And yep. But, of course, as a practical matter, when you go into a hyperinflationary environment, you, you really, uh, the wheels of commerce, if it gets bad enough, come off anyway. We're going to go to a commercial break. We're going to be right back with Jim Lyles. Don't go away. We'll be right back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Parkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Goldfields in British Columbia. Parkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer-long by 20-kilometer-wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Parkerville's own proposed open-pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Parkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. Crocodile Gold Corp. is a new gold producer with bite. With operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia, Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometres. Please visit our website at www.crocgold.com for more information. Don't let this snappy opportunity pass by. Smash Minerals is a gold exploration company in the Yukon whose management was responsible for the first significant gold discovery in the White Gold District with Underworld Resources, which was then sold to Kinross Gold in 2010. Smash holds one of the biggest claim blocks in the Yukon, and exploration has already identified three targets. Intellectual capital, combined with advanced technology, will enable Smash to be quick to drilling in August 2011. You can discover Smash Minerals on the TSX Venture under the symbol SSH. Enertopia Corporation is exploring for precious metal deposits in the western United States. The Copper Hills Project is a near-surface copper and silver oxide deposit. Historic bulk sampling has returned results of 0.8% copper and 3 ounces per ton silver. This year's work program will consist of an IP survey and a drilling program to test the near-surface copper-silver mineralization. Additional projects are under review. Enertopia trades on the OTCBB under ticker ENRT and in Canada under the symbol TOP on the CNN. SX Exchange. This program is brought to you by Sandgold at www.sandgold.ca. Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top 10 gold mining region. Sandgold continues to show tremendous exploration success. With two mines already in production, the company is now revealing a new gold mining trend. Discover the potential at Sandgold. Trading symbol SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www. 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased uh, to have Jim Lyle back with me. Um, Jim, we were talking before the break uh, about a number of things, the 30-year cycle and how you really believe that we've seen the top in uh, in the commodities and that oil is going to be considerably less uh, less dear a year from now or so. You've talked about 40 or $50 for oil. Um, and there were a couple of other topics, though, that you wanted to, to hit on today. One had to do, and I think you might have touched on it briefly, has to do with the Fed and what's going to happen uh, when QE2 runs out. I think it's in July or August sometime. July, I guess it is. Uh, uh, just comment on that a bit, and then I'll get to the other point. That well, you, you know, the point I made earlier was that uh, the Fed right now is talk- it, the, the talk that's coming out of there is, is, is that they're going to be less generous. You know, they've mm-hmm. been quite generous over the last... Uh, you know, last year, mm-hmm. QE, you know, with their first round of uh, of uh, money, and then uh, their second round of uh, the QE two and etc. But they're talking about being less generous, and of course, when you look at the commodity market, fifty five percent of that money that they were throwing out ended up in the commodity market, mm-hmm. and that money is going to get sucked back out of there. That's what that's what makes me nervous about the commodities market. Uh, Jim, that's interesting. You said 55% of that QE money went into the commodity market? Right. That's very interesting because one of the topics I didn't get to with uh, Professor Auerbach today, uh, he's talking about how a major part of the money stayed in the central banks. I think his number might have been, I can't remember what it was, but that would make sense. And I believe that uh, I believe that uh, the ma- majority of money either stayed in the Fed or went into speculative activities like the commodities. Is that your is that your take? That's, that's my take on it. Well, Professor Arbach, the numbers may not quite reconcile, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, the, the amount of money, I think he said 43% or something, stayed in the Fed and never left. So, you know, there would be room for that with your 55 on the other side of the equation. But right. But not going out to productive means, not being lent out, and one of the things I wanted to talk to Auerbach about and hope to get him back on to talk about soon, he's saying is a million and a half dollars, a trillion and a half dollars sitting with the Fed that is earning the Federal Reserve huge amounts of money and they're being paid to just keep it there. And I'm, I'm guessing they're paid to keep it there because the bankers know that their portfolios are still in wretched shape. Oh, yeah. So a lot of housing loans and all kinds of bad loans are still in the books, and they're not marking to market anymore. Well, this would fit with another topic, then, that you wanted to bring up, and this has to do with your technical analysis of the stock market. Talk to us about that. Well, uh, back in 
you know, right, I use a Tom DeMarc count on my charts. Mm-hmm. And that's Tom DeMarc probably is not familiar with people, but Tom DeMarc came up with this this numbered system, this sequence of numbers uh, several years ago, probably 25 years ago. And he's applied it to markets, and, uh, and you know, and it, it's, he's been quite successful with it. Um, but the one thing that I, it's, it, I have that on my charts, and, uh, and back in uh, July of 2007, I was, my Tom DeMarc count had given me a major sell signal on stocks. Mm-hmm. Well, the market never peaked. If you go look at charts, it never peaked until October. So this mm-hmm. is an early signal. It's telling you that the, you know we're close. Mm-hmm. Right now, this month, my charts are saying the same thing about stocks. Mm-hmm. We are coming into a major peak here. Mm-hmm. It could flop over and and go for a couple more months because these are monthly charts that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It could, it could, you know, we could hang out here for a couple of more more months and then roll over and decline. But we're we're due for a pretty significant sell off in that stock market. So you would see the equity market as being a very high risk place to park your money right now. Oh yes, get the cash, folks. Okay, so now, uh, Jim, this is the question because I and my readers and people in this show, presumably a lot of people that listen to this show, are invested in gold mining shares. You're saying gold is going to remain, gold the bullion is going to remain strong. What happens to the gold shares if the general equity market tanks? Well, you know what happens to it. If the general equity market tanks, they, you know, they'll if they got margin calls, if they bought stocks on margin, they're going to toss out the the you know the ones that they they least want to own, and 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 then most often it's always the mining shares that they toss out first. The the sort of exploration more high risk shares right. perhaps right mm-hmm. you know and and you're and you're starting to see the asset class money move I mean move, the money moving right now to a different asset class if you look at the if you watch the markets you can see mm-hmm. that the money is moving from less speculative issues like Apple stock for example and moving over to utilities. The utilities are starting to gain strength. So the money is looking for a safer place to sit and wait out a good correction in the stock market. Mm-hmm. So I guess the message is, and this is this sort of uh, sort of dovetails with what I said early in the show. Uh, my view uh, is also very much in sync with yours, Jim. And I think that it's best if people. I've been telling my subscribers to sell into this rally to build some cash that's right because if the gold price remains strong and i like to look at the real gold price that is what an ounce of gold will buy if that continues to rise well that's an even better deal if you have cash because at some point these gold shares will bottom out and if the underlying fundamentals are getting the the homes or let's say the the gold corps the newmonts the barracks uh, the agnigal eagles are continuing to pile up big profits then obviously it's going to shower down eventually. Uh, if the if the industry and the sector is healthy, it's going to really uh, shower down on the juniors at some point. The successful juniors. Another thing I'm telling my subscribers they need to really watch out. And something we're doing in my newsletter now is we're looking at the companies on my list to find out which ones are well cashed up. Because if you get exploration companies getting to the point where they have to go out and raise capital when their shares are are in the toilet. 
not a good deal. You're going no. to be uh, sort of, um, you know, um, diluted out of existence or your upside potential is severely restricted. So at the same time, I think it's an opportunity, especially if the underlying uh, if the underlying industry is strong, and I take it you believe gold mining is in a bull market, the gold mining industry itself, right? I do. I, I like gold because I, gold is, is, as far as I'm concerned, is going to continue to gain in strength. Uh, you know, we're going to sure we're going to have a sell-off in gold. It's going down to fourteen and a quarter, maybe fourteen hundred, maybe thirteen seventy-five over, you know, the next month. Mm-hmm. It's going to weaken. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, you know, for the short term, it's going to bounce back up to fifteen and a quarter, and then it's going back down again. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're stuck in a very in a trade trading range right now. Gold is. Mm-hmm. Well, but that's a trading range. Gold has really risen very dramatically, and it's risen in its real purchasing power, especially since Lehman Brothers. I like to measure it against the Rogers Raw Materials Fund before August of two thousand and eight or in August of two thousand eight announced the gold would have bought seventeen percent of the Rogers fund. Then it went up to forty four percent by March of two thousand nine. It's now around thirty two or thirty five, somewhere in that range. But the point is the mining shares have done extremely well. So Jim, what does gold look like on a chart? We've got about thirty seconds or so if you can just um you talk about, you know, technically how does gold look compared oh, to term, other... you know, we close we closed down today six dollars, uh, we're down about six, seven dollars today. We're down twenty at one time. Uh-huh. For the short term, we're going to bounce back up to 14 and a quarter in the next three or four days. The dollar is going to take a little bit of a hit and go down uh, and try to revisit those lows as the, as the dollar bears get a chance. And this commodity market's going to jump up for a minute. But then, boom, the dollar's going to strengthen again, and then down will go, go gold again. Mm-hmm. But longer term, gold is looking very bullish to you, obviously. Oh, yes. But, right. you know, I, 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 I believe... You know, my objective when I bought gold in 2001 and two, when I bought my bullion, I said I, I used cowboy economics to to come up with this figure, but I said gold's going to 3,200. Hmm. And and I still believe at least 3,200 before we're done. Uh huh. Well, with the way they're creating money out of thin air, uh, who knows where that is? But it certainly doesn't seem outlandish now with gold sitting where it is now, Jim. No. Want to thank you. Oh, before we go. Tell people how they can, uh, is there a way they can track your, your work? You do put out a newsletter. Is there a way people can subscribe to it, or is that just for well, clients? Well, they can just call me, call me at my 800 number, 800-634-3376. Uh, I always got time to talk, and I'll talk about it with them, and uh, that would be the best way. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jim. That's 800-634-3376, folks. Uh, thank you, Jim, so much for being with us. I really appreciate your views. Really, uh, really enjoyed your talk in Tempe, Arizona, and really uh, value your, your technical analysis. Thank you so much. Well, folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Ted Ohashi, a uh, colleague of mine um, on, the investment, uh, on the advisory board of Investment Pitch. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Ted Ohashi. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Crocodile Gold Corp is a new gold producer with bite. With operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia, Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometres. Please visit our website at www.crocgold.com for more information. 
don't let this snappy opportunity pass by. Origa Gold is a Canadian mine development and exploration company working in Manitoba's prolific Flin Flon Greenstone Belt. Origa's experienced management team is focused on developing the Maverick Gold Project and expanding gold resources. Maverick Gold includes historical gold resources, a 1,000 ton per day mill, developed underground ramp, year-round roads, and exploration access. Origa plans to bring Maverick Gold back into production in 2012. Origa Gold trades on the TSX Venture under the symbol AIA. Trevally Mining Corporation is building the next mid-tier silver, lead, zinc, and copper producer in the Americas by bringing two new polymetallic mines into production over the next several months. The Half Mile Mine in New Brunswick, Canada is scheduled to come on stream this fall and will be followed by the Santander Mine in Peru, where the company is on schedule for mill commissioning by the end of this year. Exploration is active on both projects that remain open for resource expansion. Trevally trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange under symbol TV. Smash Minerals is a gold exploration company in the Yukon whose management was responsible for the first significant gold discovery in the White Gold District with Underworld Resources, which was then sold to Kinross Gold in 2010. Smash holds one of the biggest claim blocks in the Yukon, and exploration has already identified three targets. Intellectual capital, combined with advanced technology, will enable Smash to be quick to drilling in August 2011. You can discover Smash Minerals on the TSX Venture under the symbol SSH. Welcome to the human race Some kind of love and ride I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down Try not to try too hard It's just a lovely ride You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm really uh, happy to have Ted Ohashi with me. We are both uh, on the advisory board of Investment Pitch, a company I think you'd do well to uh, well go to their website. Uh, lots of interesting mining companies and other companies up there that I think you're going to uh, can profit from learning about those companies, the clients of Investment Pitch. Ted, uh, it was good to see you in New York. Uh, you come into my town for a change. I'm usually going up to Vancouver, but once a year we do have the New York Hard Assets Show. It was great seeing you there. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, Jay, and it was uh, great uh, listening to uh, uh, your presentation. You had a major audience there in the big hall, and I also enjoyed uh, uh, your workshop with uh, Chen Lin. I think uh, he's a great guy and uh, some really good ideas there. Yeah, Chen is brilliant. He he does have a lot of great ideas, and regrettably, I didn't even get a chance to pass them along today. But uh, you, you had spotted a couple of companies there in New York that you liked a lot. Uh, we got maybe three or four minutes if you can just tell us Avino Silver and Gold. Just tell sure. us briefly well, about uh, that. Well, Avino, I think I've talked about on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really like companies that are operating in what are known to be productive areas and even reopening mines, mm-hmm. uh, which Avino is doing. Um, this is uh, the Avino mine. Uh, it produced uh, for 15 years or so in the 70s, um, and um, uh, and now they're reopening it, or at least they're close to making that decision. 
to reopen it. And uh, so I, I see it as kind of a low-risk uh, way to participate in uh, in the gold market. Yeah, that's in Mexico as well, near uh, northeast of Durango. Yeah, that's uh, right. Another one is Ruby Creek Resources. What about that one? Well, Ruby Creek I like because um, it's a uh, alluvial operation. And, uh, you know, I mean, the one thing about uh, hard rock gold exploration is it's all very exciting and, and uh, you know, adding to reserves and resources and things. But um, realistically, uh, to uh, start from scratch with a gold mine, I mean, you're talking five, seven, ten years uh, and hundreds of millions of dollars to get into production. So mm-hmm. with uh, an alluvial operation like Ruby Creek, um, you're in production literally within a matter of months, and uh, the capital costs are not that great. So uh, to the extent that prices are in the 1400 to $1,500 range, um, you're going to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. You, uh, I might just mention that you are involved with a company, uh, it's still a private company down in Belize. What's, uh, how's that going, Ted? That is an alluvial or at least an, uh, um, I guess, uh, an alluvial mining operation as well, right? Yeah, it is. It's a combination of alluvial mining and, and hard rock exploration. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually uh, going to uh, uh, kick off production in a couple of days here. Uh, we've uh, moved a lot of equipment down there. We've got uh, everything ready to go. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, uh, because it's alluvial, you're into production in a relatively short period of time, and you can use your revenues from uh, alluvial mining to help finance your exploration activities. Right. You uh, you are still a private company. Are you still uh, raising some capital privately? Yeah, we're just uh, at the uh, end of uh, of that process. Um, uh, following the uh, Chicago uh, Resource Expo, uh, we got a number of people from that area uh, interested and involved, and. Uh, uh, so I would say probably in the next couple of weeks, but we are still looking for uh, for uh, interested investors. So yeah, accredited investors uh, that to qualify would call what number? Would is there a number they can call? If yeah, I, I would uh, call me uh, Ted Ohashi at six zero four five six two eight one three one. Eight one three one. Okay, thank you, Ted. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? I think we're just about. We got a minute left. So, I, is there anything else you'd like to quickly add with it? Well, I was just listening to the uh, previous segment, and I was thinking to myself, you know, going into cash is fine, uh, but uh, you also have to be a little bit careful about what kind of cash you go into, uh-huh. uh, because uh, again, if that uh, speaker is correct and gold remains strong, strong, then the U.S. dollar. Uh, will tend to remain soft, and uh, yeah. so you may want to uh, stay in a different currency. Well, that might be uh, maybe the currency you want to stay in, as uh, Jim Lyles is suggesting, that gold is a currency. You know, the yeah. Chen Lin's strategy is to sell and to put money into some of the gold ETFs or into a gold instrument of some kind or another and have that as his cash. So that may be one way of getting around that, Ted. Thank you very much for your uh, thoughts on this, and we'll look to have you back again next week. Okay. Folks, uh, we, speaking of next week, we are going to have a very exciting show. Jim Mars, uh, who is well-known for his views on the Kennedy assassination, he is also written a very controversial book called The Rise of the Fourth Reich, uh, which he claims that the U.S. is, in fact, that Fourth Reich. And not uh, unrelated uh, is his most recent book titled The Trillion Dollar Conspiracy, How the New World Order 
and man-made diseases and zombie banks are destroying America. Well, it all sounds very controversial, uh, but Jim Mars should be a very interesting guest. He will be with us next week. I want to thank uh, all those who made this show uh, feasible, that make this show logistically possible, and they uh, are my producer, Tacey Trump, Ruben Colomb, my operations manager, Justin Jackman, my engineer. Thank each of you for listening to this show and making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. And, of course, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show uh, economically viable. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time is that time is in real.